0: Well, let's take our Bibles tonight and open them with me, please, to the book of Luke, chapter 18. The, bo- the book of Luke, chapter 18. Men, tonight, I want to address the most basic element of prayer. Ian Bounds, one of the great pens and Voices of the Past, on the subject of prayer, said this, Prayer is an awareness of my need of God and my asking God to meet that need. Are you aware of the fact that every work of God begins with an awareness of need? Men, you can't feed somebody who doesn't know that they're hungry. You can't heal somebody who doesn't know they're sick. You can't fix something if you don't know that it's broken. You can't find something if you don't know that it's lost. This may sound almost overly simplistic, and yet, do you realize that the greatest hindrance to our prayer lives is not unanswered prayer, it's unoffered prayer. And the reason it's unoffered is because much of our lives are lived independent of God. We don't live with that sense of need. Need is what drives us to the Lord in prayer. I want to take a story from the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus and just simply show this truth to you in a very clear way tonight. We're in the book of Luke, chapter 18, and we're at verse number 35. Will you follow along with me, please, as I read? And it came to pass that as he was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging... And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him and when he was come near he asked him saying what wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said Lord that I may receive my sight. What do you need from God tonight brother? Let's ask the Lord to speak to us. Father Sometimes I think we look at some of these Bible stories just kind of like something we've heard a hundred times. And yet, Lord, tonight we have in front of us a story from the life of Jesus that is so powerful, so beautiful. It's Jesus at his very best it's God stepping into the life of a man with a great need. Lord, help us tonight to understand this truth. Help us to realize that every work of God of any significance begins with an awareness of our need. Help me now as I preach. Help the men as they listen. Well, Thank you for what you will do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. A number of years ago we were hosting one of our prayer encounters. It was a Friday night. Typically at our three-day events, Friday night is the night that the church groups get together to pray. The pastors lead it and meet with their own men. And yet, as always, there are several men who come and maybe are alone or not with a group. So I had offered to meet in the chapel with these men, and it turned out there were four of us in our little prayer circle. One of them was a pastor. I knew him. I'd preached for him on occasion. And I remember as we sat there in our little circle, I just randomly looked up and I said to him, Brother Ken, how can we pray for you tonight? I had hardly finished my question when he just dropped his head and started to weep almost uncontrollably. Finally, he gained his composure enough to speak, and he said, I came to this prayer encounter knowing that if God doesn't do something for me this weekend, I'm finished. He said, I haven't had personal devotions for six months. He said, I only open the Bible during the week to try and find something for my next message on Sunday. I remember sharing this one time in a message where I was addressing these thoughts and there was a lady sitting in the front row and when I said what I just said, she just out loud went, oh, a pastor. And that dear brother just sat there and cried his heart out before us and before the Lord. See, I don't think a man like that should even be in the ministry. Folks, hang on. I happen to know This man is a father of six young children. I happen to know that he has to work a full-time job to make an income so he can stay in this little rural country church. But I also happen to know that that night something significant happened in his life. Men, can I tell you there's something really special about hitting the bottom of the barrel? Do you know what it is? It's that there's only one way to look, and that's up. And when that dear brother sat there that night weeping and just kind of unloading his heart to the three of us who were there, do you realize that he had just stepped into a very unique position He had just opened his life. He had just expanded his capacity for God to step right in. Why? Because human extremity means divine opportunity. Every work of God begins with an awareness of need. In our story tonight, we are introduced to a man who obviously had a need. Three things I want to show you this evening. This is a very simple three-point outline. By no means complex or complicated, you'll get it, I promise you. But let's look at it together. The first thing I want you to see about this man is his helpless condition. Here's what I know about him first of all, he was blind. Brother, you know as well as I do that God blessed us with five amazing senses the ability to taste and touch and smell and hear and see. They're all an important part of taking in life around us and programming it into our mental file and allowing us to function accordingly. But there's no doubt about it. Of the five, our sight is most valuable. Our family has had a very, very difficult week. A week ago, right now, as I speak, I was in the emergency room with my mother. A uh, number of years ago, mother had a mild stroke that affected her left eye and creates created some difficulty with it, but it's it's been manageable. But last week, something happened. And the blood vessels to her right eye, we now know, all failed. And about Thursday, my mother's right eye went dark. Man, it's been a tough week watching my dear mother try and work through the loss of her sight. One of the hardest things for me to hear was last Saturday afternoon in the hospital when my mother said, I just wish, I just hope I can someday read my Bible again. Guys, what a helpless thing. The doctors told her, the doctors told us, medically there is nothing we can do. There's the possibility that maybe rest will allow you to regain a limited bit of sight. But at this point, my dear mother is trying to cope with the fact that blindness, at least in part, has affected her life. I can't imagine this man's situation. This man, according to the scripture, was totally blind. But not only was he blind, the Bible says that he was begging. Because of his inability to see, he had no way by which to provide even for his own personal needs. He couldn't work. He couldn't prepare anything. He was at the mercy only of others who would be kind enough to do something for him or at least throw a couple coins into the little dish or the little cup that he held as he sat by the roadside begging. I've been in New York City all week. I don't understand homelessness. I've dealt with, I've worked with homeless people for years. I realize there are those who take advantage of the system. I get it. But I'm going to tell you something. There are very few things in life that have ever touched my heart like a beggar. And even when I walk by them and I did it this week on the streets or sitting in the subway... I couldn't explain it. I didn't understand it. But there was something inside of me that just hurt for them. Can you imagine the situation as this poor man sits there day after day after day, blind, begging. But there's a third thing I I see about his condition. He was bewildered. It's interesting that verse 36 says he knew something was going on. He heard the multitude passing by. I'm certain that because of the lack of his eyesight, his other senses, and we know this to be true about blind people, they have an incredible sensitivity in other ways. He picked up that a multitude was coming by he didn't have a clue what was going on and so he asked what it meant. Hopeless. Helpless. Unable to do anything for himself. There he sits. But I want you to see a second thing about him. I know this secondly. I know of His humble cry. You know, it's interesting that the Bible uses the word it does use. It doesn't say that he spoke or that he asked. It says that he cried in verse 38. He finds out that it's Jesus... I only wonder, did his heart beat a little faster? Did he sit up a little bit straighter? Did he kind of listen a little more intently? Jesus. His immediate response is to cry. Of course, we know that there were those close by who rebuked them or rebuked him. Somebody should have punched him right in the nose. Would have been good for them. But you know what? That didn't stop him. (laughs) I just think it's so neat when you read in verse 39, they told him, shut up. And all he did was cry out louder. You know, the word cry or cried in Scripture is an amazing description of prayer. You know why? Because it portrays a sense of desperation. There's something about desperate praying. Oh, I've spent a lot of time talking to God, I've spent time telling God what was on my heart and what was on my mind. But folks, there are those times in my life when emotionally my prayer became became energized. And it wasn't just that calm, quiet way of speaking. No, no. There was a crying out. There was a yelling out. Sometimes there were tears that flowed. Somehow, I get the picture that that's how this man prayed. I love his prayer. I love his prayer because he knew who he was praying to. Jesus! Jesus! I love his prayer because he knew who he's praying for. Have mercy on me! But I love his prayer because he knew what he was praying for. Jesus, have mercy on me. It was such a personal prayer, it was such an honest prayer, it was a believing prayer. And yet, isn't it interesting that this man prayed a prayer that, for some of us, is tough to pray? You know, I've been in a ton of prayer meetings through the years. I've been in weeks of revival meetings where every night we met 30 minutes before to pray with those who would come before the service during the daytime, we'd have an hour prayer meeting in the morning and we'd have prayer times in our services. And you know what? It's all good. But can I tell you, one of the hardest prayers I've ever heard anybody pray was a prayer that just says, it's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Men can always find it easy to pray for their wives and women can always find it easy to pray for their husbands and moms and dads can always find it easy to pray for their kids and kids for their parents and the church prays for the lost or the backslidden or the unchurched in their community and and everybody can do that. But to get someone to simply say, God, it's me. That's tough. You want to know why? Because to be transparent, to be honest in our praying is humbling. There's a church that I meet with regularly down in Florida. They will tell you that it was several years ago in a men's prayer meeting that they were having that their church turned a big corner and became a praying church. But they will also tell you that that night was the night that one of the older gentlemen in their church in front of this group of men stood up and said, Tonight, I'm going to take the mask off. And when he said that, God so touched the hearts of the rest of those men that they prayed through much of that night together. And that night became a defining moment in the history of their church because the men of their church suddenly realized that as a man prays, so is he. As a church prays, so is it. But where did that start? With that humble Well, we go back to the story and we've already read it, but it's such a beautiful thing. Guys, this is Jesus at his best, isn't it? Yes, Jesus ministered to multitudes, but he never got so focused on ministering to a multitude that he missed a man or a woman, an individual. To me, that's where Jesus was at his best suddenly Jesus stops. He heard that cry. And the Bible says in verse 40, He was come near. Now let me just say it to you without sounding cynical. Just a little talk with Jesus doesn't always make everything right. But it sure helps. And even as this man cried out, Jesus heard it and moved toward him. See, this is the beauty of prayer, folks. Even if God chooses not to meet the need specifically, to provide the Solution precisely, even if God doesn't give the answer word for word as we put it in a request, do you know what He does do? He comes near and He keeps going with us through it. See, that's what prayer does. But then Jesus said, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? Now, some smart aleck is going to read that and go, why did he have to ask that? I thought he was Jesus. He was. And he already knew. Amen. But do you know what he was doing? He was giving this man the opportunity to verbalize his need. Amen. You say, well, prayer is just stating the obvious It's more than stating the obvious. It's acknowledging I can't and you can. It's acknowledging I have a need and you are a God who meets needs. It's being willing to say I'm trusting you to do what I can't. That's what this man was doing. That's why Jesus asked him. And so he says it, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Third thing we see is his humble confession. The obvious had to be stated by the man with the need. And then we come to verse 42. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy faith hath saved thee. You know, there are three things that happened at that moment. Here they are. Number one, his eyes were opened. Jesus did that. That's the power of God through the life of Jesus touching that man. What a great picture. But notice this. His heart was opened. Thy faith hath saved thee. You know what? Jesus had a unique way of using a physical need to ultimately address the spiritual need. Hey, guys, don't ever sell yourself short in your praying only for the obvious physical or material need. There may be a greater need and God's going to use that physical or material need to ultimately create a spiritual need that'll draw someone to himself. But I think this is pretty neat. Number three, his mouth was opened. Verse 43, and immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. Can you hear it? Can you hear this old boy as he is just hooting and hollering? Because Jesus did it. Now men, I'm pretty much done preaching tonight. That's the Bible message. But with that as a backdrop, sort of creating a context, let's see now what God wants to use this truth to do in our lives. Allow me, if you will, to share several very personal illustrations. A number of years ago, I was at a prayer meeting with a group of men. And I remember we were getting ready to pray. There were probably nine or ten or eleven men there. And the pastor said, let's just go around and each one share a way we can pray for you. The very first man in the circle looked up and said, I'm struggling with pornography. I can't beat it. I remember we got a little further around the circle, and there was a fella I apparently had come along with the group and he said, Men, you know me. I'm a recovering addict. He said, I've been clean for nine months, but he said I fell last week. I can't beat it. You know what was amazing? There was not one ounce, one hint of a critical, judgmental, or condemning spirit in the attitudes of those other men. But when those two men and others as well said, here's my need, thankfully some spiritual men jumped right on it. And I'm telling you, cried out to God in the behalf of the two men sitting there in that circle. Number of years ago, we had two ladies in our church, our home church, both young mothers. And uh, incredibly, both were diagnosed with cancer about the same time. One of them was getting close to having a major cancer surgery, and my wife said, I want to do something for them. And so she decided to host a tea and she invited these two ladies to come. She invited a group of ladies who were their friends and so on to come to our home. And it was a day or two before my wife said to me, You know, I'm just trying to think, what can I share? I said, Honey, don't share anything. I said, Let them fix their tea, let them get their plate of goodies. And then I said, just let those two ladies share where they are and what's going on and what will help them right now. One of them was due to have a major surgery in just a couple days. I said, just let them talk, and then when they get done, pray for them. The ladies all came. There were probably 15 or 16 ladies came that day. They got their tea, got their treats, Let those sisters share. And then they went to prayer two hours later. I know because I had all the kids. (laughs) Two hours later, they started coming out and looking for their children to go home. But those ladies came out of our house and they were weeping and they were rejoicing. It wasn't a cancer meeting. It was a God meeting didn't take away their cancer on the spot, but it brought God and those ladies into the lives of these two who were suffering and helped them. For a number of years, we had a Thursday morning men's prayer meeting in my county. We hosted it and I kind of had gotten it going and we had some amazing prayer meetings. Every Thursday for five years, we met at six o'clock, those who... but I remember one morning we were sitting in a circle of 12 men going around each sharing what was on our heart I looked at my own father dad was within weeks of finishing 50 years of full time ministry we were planning the celebration to honor him for his faithfulness to the Lord I looked at my own father and I said dad how do we pray for you today My dad had his head down when I asked, but he lifted his head long enough to say, the Bible says Abraham was in a terror of darkness. I've been there for two weeks. Put his head down. Not another word was said. The first man started to pray and others and others. See, you know what's amazing when a man gets that real? Not only affects his own life, affects the lives of others. This, this phony, baloney, churchianity, churchianity, Christianity nonsense that goes on, it's gone. A man's gotten real with God and everybody gets real with God. Again, I'm just, I'm just talking, I'm just telling you. But again, a Saturday morning, meeting like tomorrow morning. We had divided up two groups of men, two groups of ladies, went to other parts of the building. I still remember it. I was sitting on the front steps of the platform and there were a row of men sitting across that row. The last man in the row hadn't prayed for anybody, totally silent. He was a board member, treasurer, involved in missions. He and his wife, one of the finest couples in our church. We got to him. I said, John, what do we pray about? He lifted his head and all he said was, I'm a weak Christian. And he listed four areas to prove it and just put his head down. Do you know what's amazing? While he's talking, I hear men up and down the road going, "Mm mm-hmm, me too. See? And then guys jumped in and started to pray for him. It was almost a year later, we were at our home church and he met me in the foyer. I have been waiting to talk to you. He said, that prayer meeting that Saturday morning almost a year ago was a turning point in my life. He said, there was a besetting sin that I had struggled with for years that ended that day and was over for good. He said, My spiritual appetite changed, my prayer life changed, everything. Why? Because one of the big shots in our church just got real with himself and with the brethren sitting around him and with God. So, men, why am I just giving you these examples tonight because they're modern-day illustrations of the truth that we've looked at in the Word of God tonight. You see, the same Lord that spoke to that blind man that day and said, what wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? That same Lord looks at every man in this auditorium tonight and says, sir, mister, What can I do for you? What do you need? Now you can sit there if you want and go, well, I really need to get new tires on the truck this week. And we really need to get the blower replaced on the furnace. And Man, I got to call the contractor about the new roof on the shed for this summer. You can play that game. Or you can just say, God... I need and then you can fill in the blank and tell it like it is men here's how we're going to close our service tonight I have with me just a stack of little cards I'm going to put one on each side of the aisle here on a chair It's just a little card that says making mention in prayer without ceasing I make mention of you in my prayer from Romans 1 in verse 9. And then there are three little sections, name, need, and notes. The invitation tonight is going to be in two parts. Just a moment, we'll have prayer. And then I'm going to invite you tonight to step out and just walk down the aisle... No, Jesus won't be standing here in a visible bodily person to greet you or to meet you. But I want you to take one of these cards as if he had just handed it to you. And I'd like to encourage you to maybe bring your pen with you and step to one of these sides or you can kneel here across the front and I want you to take this little card. I want you to write your name. I want you to put the need. Be specific. If there's a note that you want to add just so that you express it to the Lord, write it out in your own words. God, I need. Fill in the blank. Here's why I need it. And then stick your pen in your pocket and you and God have a little talk. Would you? Read it off. Tell God what you wrote on that card. Would you? The same Lord that offered it to the blind man offers it to you. The same man that offered it will draw near to you tonight at the very moment you cry out to Him. But then I want you to get up from your feet. And I want you to walk back through this auditorium. And I want you to give that card to another man in this room. Don't don't keep it. Just give it to another brother. And in so doing, you've not only told God your need, but you've told that brother, I need you to pray for me. And if you get one of these cards or you get a couple of them, I'm going to challenge you to take this card and for the next week, every day, pray for the man whose name is on that card and the need he's shared. It'll be good for him. It'll be good for you. We need God. We need each other, men. We're all in this thing together. Will you stand with me, please? Please. I think it's clear what we're going to do tonight. Let's just let God have his way. We've got all the time in the world, so don't feel you have to hurry. Heavenly Father, we enter a very important part, not only of this service, but of this conference. Because tonight, we're at a moment that's going to require us to be Very real with ourselves, with each other, but most of all with you. So God, I just simply pray, will you have your way and may we cooperate. May these next several moments be a significant time of crying out to God. God, do and accomplish something very special, I pray, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Our heads are bowed, no one's looking. Guys, I invite you, come on down here and get one of these cards. Bring your pen, move to a place where you can do some writing and in your own words, just write it out. When you're done writing, then you get alone with God and you talk it out and then when you're done, pass it on to somebody. And invite them to join with you in prayer. What is your need? What do you need tonight? Let's let God have his way. also a step of humility to find another man in this auditorium and say I need you to pray for me but you know what the beauty of all this is God gives grace to the humble so don't be afraid don't be hesitant don't be intimidated I'm just going to continue to wait as men are praying all over this room Just don't feel like we can hurry up and wrap up because there's still things going on that we don't want to stop. So I'd encourage you, if you were given a card, why don't you just, even right now as we wait another moment or two, pray for that brother, that individual that shared his need with you. And let's just stay in a spirit of prayer.
1: Continue to pray. There might be somebody here tonight's never been saved. You, know, you really don't have the assurance in your heart that if you were to die today you would go to heaven. You know, the publican in the Bible, all he cried out to God was, God be merciful unto me a sinner. If you're here and there's no one looking, we're all praying. And you say, Well, I'm not sure I'm saved. And I need prayer about that. I would really appreciate if you would pray for me. Uh, There's no one looking. Would you slip up your hands so I can pray for you tonight? You say, I'm not sure I'm saved. I really desperately need to have that assurance and that confidence. Father, I come to you and I thank you, God, uh, for this time that we've had together tonight and, uh, Lord, this afternoon together. We're thankful that the Spirit of God uh, moves upon us and ministers the grace of God to us. I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit is our teacher, our guide through the scriptures. And Lord, through that conviction of the Holy Spirit of God, Uh, We are made right with our God as we confess our sins before the throne of grace. I pray, oh God, you'd help us to be able to leave here knowing that we've found victory. And God, that as we leave with a spirit of victory on our hearts, Lord, that we would hold on to that and we would surrender ourselves anew and afresh every day uh, that we might be able to enjoy the anointing of God. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd bless us as we spend time tonight in prayer, Uh, Lord, as we come back tomorrow and be able to be reminded in Scripture of the significance and importance of prayer and that we might be able to seal that whole thought process of this matter of pursuing the living God. And so Lord bless us. Thank you for speaking to us tonight. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.